Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. UX Cake is all about developing the layers you need to be more effective in your work and to be happy and fulfilled in your career. I'm your host, Lee Allen Arredondo, and I'm a UX leader and leadership coach. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me on UX Cake. Today, we are having a conversation about quiet leadership, how you can be an authentic leader, even though you don't have the loudest voice in the room. Joining me is Tim Yo. He's founder of Quiet Achiever, where he coaches introverts to have impact and influence without pretending to be extroverts. Tim was most recently design director at IBM, and he's been head of design at several global fintech startups. He speaks at conferences around the world, and he's an impactful, quiet leader. Tim also has a two-week course coming up called Quiet Achiever, which you can find on the Quiet Achiever website. Hello, Tim, and thank you so much for joining us on UX Cake. Ali, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. I am so excited to have this conversation because I've wanted to have a conversation about quiet leadership for years. I think it's something that that I personally <laughs> relate to. I've always identified the first time I heard quiet leader, I man, I identified with that so much. And to then meet you, <laughs> and you have this business and these workshops called The Quiet Achiever. It was like, well, this is clearly clearly the person I need to connect with and have a conversation with. Mm. Tell me a little bit about your own experience of quiet achievement and being a quiet leader. Well, I can certainly say that it's been quite a journey. I've been working in design for the last 18 years. Nine of those years has been in consulting and nine of those years has been working in-house, mostly in startups. And yeah. as you can imagine, a lot of those environments have been have put me in rooms with people with strong opinions and loud voices. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. That's right. <laughs> I mean, we are in UX and so we work with business people and product people and there's a lot of loud voices. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I can tell you so many stories. And I remember early in my career, you know, bosses used to give me feedback like, you know, you're too quiet. You need to speak up more. Um, yeah. I used to hate going to networking events. Um, in fact, these days I do a lot of my networking online. And public speaking oh. was always a challenge. You know, every time before I would present, I would always get nervous I always get sweaty palms. I can always hear and see, just feel my own voice quivering before I actually start speaking. And this was early in my career. And I remember watching presentations by Steve Jobs <laughs> before I have a book presentation. I remember almost mimicking a lot of these good people that I thought were really good public speakers. And try to just learn, imitate, um, learn through imitating, just practicing to try and make some of these habits my own. 
And in the beginning, when I was doing a lot of this, you know, it worked. But then I got tired because I felt as if I was pretending to be somebody else. I don't think there's anything. I don't think there's anything wrong with mimicking because I think that's a really good way to learn. But what I found over time is really through this practicing and mimicking and learning, I took the best bits um, of what those people did. And what really changed was when I started making it my own. It felt a lot more natural. It felt a lot more comfortable. And really the thing that made the difference was practice. Yeah. I want to get back to something that you said about getting that feedback that you're too quiet, you need to speak up. And that's something that I know so many people have gotten that feedback, which in and of itself is problematic. The people that I can think of who get that feedback the most tend to be women and people of color. And there's so many reasons we're not speaking up. (laughs) I had a really, really hard time just using my voice. And that includes in a meeting or speaking up. And I, now I understand the difference between not speaking up because I'm afraid versus not speaking up because I am listening <laughs> and I don't really feel like I have you know, something to contribute other than perhaps asking questions. There's a lot of that, I think, mm-hmm. when um, the people who are quiet are probably often really processing the information and not ready to say something. So you mentioned Steve Jobs being kind of a role model for presentations. I'm curious who were role models for you at work? And also, what originally, what was your reaction to that feedback of speaking up more? Well, if we come to role models for quiet leadership, there were none for me growing up. Probably because they were too quiet. <laughs> I mean, for a bit of context, <laughs> I um, I I grew up in Asia, in Singapore specifically, and it's an Asian society. And with um, I grew up with very traditional Asian values, so things like filial piety, respecting your elders, mm-hmm. not speaking up in a meeting unless you think that what you have to say is true and correct. And then about 10 years ago, I moved to Australia, which is a Western society. And the meetings were very different. Um, You know, speaking up and participating, that shows that you're engaged. And when I first, even back in Singapore, working in a Western company, participation, like speaking up is participation. Even if what you have to say might not be true or correct. The point is that you are engaging, that you are participating, that you are having a conversation, which is very different from the environment that I grew up in because oftentimes you find yourself in meetings and you don't say a thing because either you have nothing valuable to add at that point in time. Like you said, maybe you are still processing. But then people in a Western society tend to see that differently. It seems as if you were disengaged, that maybe you were not mm-hmm. that interested. And mm-hmm. what I took away from, and what I realized later on was, you know, who we are and how we behave can change. It depends on the context. It depends on who's in the room at the time. 
And we are human, we are flexible, and we can adapt and we can change. I think the important thing is realizing our roles in each of these situations and really playing that role, whether you're a leader, whether you're a facilitator, whether you're a participant, you just have to show up and do the role that you need to do. Well, tell me a little bit more about that and how that relates to kind of quiet leadership in the context of a meeting where you need to show that you're engaged. Mm. Well, like most other introverts, um, usually when we're in meetings, I end up taking a lot of notes and that's got mm. a lot of benefits. Um, in my early days, I remember when I was sitting in a meeting and I was really intensely listening and I was not taking notes. All of a mm. sudden, when somebody calls my name and says, Tim, what do you think? And, you know, I can still remember the blood draining from my face. And because mm. everyone's in the room is just suddenly looking at me and I feel the pressure to say something and then my heart is racing and my mind is racing and I can't think of something to, to say because everyone's looking yeah. at me and I feel like that pressure right. to perform. The benefit yeah. of taking notes is that I can follow the discussion. For me personally, taking notes help me process my thinking in real time. Um, and also it has, it's also some kind of physical artifact that I can look at, that I can actually see and yeah. follow a discussion. So when I'm put on the spot and I'm preparing something to say, it's not just thoughts in my head that I have to work through. I have something physical that I can look at that helps me process as well. So for me personally, taking notes, being put on the spot, it's a really good artifact that actually helps me respond better, respond faster when people do uh, want to ask what I think in a meeting. And I think it's important to realize that when somebody invites you to a meeting, they are keen to hear what you think. That's mm -hmm. why they invited you in the first place. You know, talking about writing notes, and I think that's, a, that's an awesome tip. Because you can, especially if you're encapsulating as you write notes, you can see <laughs> what you think. All along those lines, I think what I started to do was listen for questions that I could ask. Because that's a way that I can participate and show my engagement. And, and it's it, regardless of how comfortable I am giving my opinion. <laughs> and, you know, and that does change from scenario to scenario. But listening for questions and then writing that down while people are talking. And I think in, in UX, many people are good at thinking about when you're doing research, let's say, or you're looking at design, you might be thinking about probing questions or clarifying questions. And that's something that you can do in a meeting when people are, are speaking as well, is knowing that if you have a question chances are someone else in the room will have a question. Not only that, um, it doesn't make you look like you don't know something. It makes the other person feel good that they can answer a question, mm. you know, which is just kind of another sort of um, tactic. Mm. But um, you, But also you mentioned as far as not having quiet leader role models, um, I am, and I'm assuming you mean like at work, 
What about like in the larger kind of realm of of the world, mm. <laughs> media even, mm. or you know, world leaders, or um, were there are there people that that you identify as a quiet leader? Mm. Well, for me, even the word um, introversion or being an introvert. Um, I didn't have that vocabulary. Uh, mm. It was not until maybe 2012 when I watched a TED talk by Susan Cain called The Power of Introverts. And she also wrote the book Quiet. I think oh, that yeah. was the... I, um, I have that here. Oh, there you go. <laughs> it was not until reading her book and watching her TED talk did I really get introduced and start having vocabulary and definitions around what an introvert was. I just always thought I was shy, I was quiet. Um, it was the first time that I truly felt seen. Um, I felt as if somebody else understood. And when I speak to a lot of people, a lot of introverts that have read her book and seen her TED Talk, they shared the same experience as well. And then it was after that that I started Googling for famous introverts. And then you start to realize that people like Meryl Streep self-proclaimed to be an introvert. Steve Martin self-proclaimed uh -huh. to be an introvert. I don't know any of these yeah. people, but uh, Barack Obama apparently is an introvert as well. And you wouldn't yeah. peg him for an introvert thinking that he does so many, you know, part of his job is to give lots of speeches uh, publicly. And then later yeah. on within our design industry, you have people like Jonathan Coleman, who was the content designer. You have Bob Baxley that used to work at Apple and now at ThoughtSpot. And then you have Larry Coronet. All of these people, when I started meeting and talking to them, they have self-identified as introverts. And mm -hmm. we didn't, I didn't know about it. And I think yeah, that is part yeah. of the problem that... Um, people don't come out and say that they are introverts. I remember mm -hmm. there was a, there was one time when I saw a post on LinkedIn um, and it was a screenshot of a workplace survey. They were asking employees about their strengths and about their weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And under the weakness column, uh, it was a multiple choice and you could put, and one of the checkbox under weaknesses was introversion. Oh, geez. <laughs> and, oh, that's terrible. And I remember, I mean, I remember feeling very angry about when I saw it. And I was like, you know, yeah. introversion is not, it's not, it's, there's, there's nothing wrong with me. It's not a skill. Like to be strong or weak at something, it needs to be a, a strength or. Um, you know, a skill, it's not necessarily a skill, but something that you are innately good at actually is the definition of a strength, something that you are innately good at. Um, so being, <laughs> that doesn't, is that doesn't mean that everyone who's an extrovert is, you know, got us, that's their strength. Um, that's not enough to to have an impact, which is what sort of we're talking about, right? Mm. Which is to have an impact in the work that you do. Um, and I think it comes back to, you know, this world, I think Susan articulated it very well. We live in a world where the extrovert ideal is desired. And I think for a very long mm. time, 
um, even though deep within myself, I've always felt like I wanted to be a leader, that I am a leader. But it was never the picture of what leadership looked like in society. And I think that's why when you talk about role models, why is it that people aren't more open about if they were introverts? Why is it that it doesn't occur to them to actually say it? Um, it's probably because that belief still persists that if you do want to be a leader, mm-hmm. that picture of a leader is still an extrovert. And yeah. I think that's why that's really um, part of the drive and motivation that I have to give the talk that I started giving, which was called Design Leadership for Introverts, is because, you know, giving it is tiring. Public speaking is still tiring for me, but uh, I still give it because, you know, every time I give it, somebody else in the audience would always come up to me, either in comments after or after I give the talk. And they take so much away from it. And they say that it's one of the few times that they they felt seen, that they felt heard, that yes, there is a different model for leadership out there. Um, and they are very glad that people like myself and like others who speak up, who self-identify as introverts, and they make it a lot more visible and a lot more public. Because chances are yeah. 40 to 50% of us out there are introverts. We just don't have as many references to point to to say, oh, there's just more than one way of being a leader. There's this other way where I don't right. have to pretend to be extroverted. Yeah, which I think is the approach that many people do take. I think it's interesting when you, in your in your bio, you talk about teaching people to that they don't have to pretend to be an extrovert. And I know for a fact that this is how a lot of people go into leadership is pretending to be a whole lot of things. I believe we're in a different time now where there's more focus on diversity. Whether or not that's really happening at your company is a different matter, (laughs) but it is in the conversation, at least, that you can be authentic and a leader, and that includes being an introvert. But to your point earlier, like there are a whole lot of different ways of being a leader and you can build relationships. That's, you know, critical for someone to have impact. You can build relationships and be an introvert and do it in a way that feels authentic to you. So I would love to get your thoughts on those characteristics that that you observe in yourself and others of quiet leaders. First point, most of the introverts that I've coached, I coach mainly designers who happen to be introverts. And I think that's a correlation because if your job requires you to be in front of a screen, intensely pushing pixels and crafting that thing to be as good as possible, it's a lot of alone time, a lot of very Mm. focused time. And I think, you know, there's a correlation because if that's your job most of the time for most of the day, then yeah, I think that's naturally why a lot of introverts gravitate towards design being a career. Yes, there are extroverts who happen to be designers as well. But yeah, a vast majority of people that I've met, are designers that I've coached, are introverts. And when we talk about the traits, I think there are a couple. Number one, introverts tend to be amazing preppers they tend to prepare 
a lot for meetings. They come prepared. They have ideas. If there's a brainstorming workshop and they know that maybe they're not as good at performing on the spot, they tend to come with a bullet point of list of ideas. That's if they even know what the workshop is about to begin with. So for the people out there listening, if you have a workshop or a meeting that's coming, please send agendas before. Tell them before what you want to do before you do the thing. And I think you'll be surprised to find that the ideas that come out of these sessions will be so much better. So yeah, they tend to yeah, prepare. Yeah, that's good Good advice for everybody. <laughs> so they tend to prepare. I think introverts tend to need a little bit more time to think and process their thoughts before they speak. I find even in myself, I process information. Not that we're slower. We just need a tiny bit more time to process before we actually speak up. I also find with a lot of introverts, uh, myself included, that we tend to be better one-on-one rather than mm. in large groups. So one advice that I do give a lot of introverts is rather than holding one big meeting with 20 people to make one decision, why not have multiple one-on-ones in private where you can actually have a much deeper conversation with people to get their feedback on your designs, for example, before rather than doing it, rather than doing it in a group setting where you might get a lot of feedback, but it's very shallow. You could have multiple yeah. short meetings, one-on-one with people and get their feedback that way. And then you get deeper feedback. And also the other interesting thing that happens is when you do meet people one-on-one or in smaller groups, people tend to tell you what they really think rather than Mm -hmm. in a group setting where there might be group dynamics or people might be less inclined uh, to say what they really think because, you know, they might lose face if what they're saying might be wrong. So definitely think about doing things in smaller group settings rather than large groups. Yeah, that's actually advice that I give everybody, (laughs) everyone who has ever worked for me, whether you're an extrovert or an introvert. I think the people it in your group are a lot of different dynamics and that group dynamic doesn't always help with open honest critique you don't know what everybody else's motivation is Mm -hmm. behind what they're saying you can learn so much more to your point you can learn so much more if you have a, a smaller group and where the other people involved are are more willing to share their own motivations or objectives with you, Mm -hmm. which really helps come to better solutions when you know everybody's objectives. Mm. And, you know, even though after we've worked through two, maybe in three years of the COVID pandemic, people still heavily rely or over-rely on meetings to get things done. And I think for many people... Meetings just aren't always the best way to get things done. How many of us have been in meetings where you have one person having a monologue and everybody else is just nodding their heads? You know, that didn't need to be, <laughs> that didn't need to be a meeting. That could be, yeah. <laughs> have been an email or a Slack message that you wrote. That could have been a short video that you recorded and that people can watch it in their own time. You know, mm. not everything has to be a meeting. And meetings tend to come with so many other unintended things like social dynamics that you have to deal with. Yeah. I do want to talk a little bit about ways that people can utilize their authentic nature 
in being a leader. And so we maybe should back up just a couple steps and say, you know, what are we talking about when we say leader? Because I think you and I are talking about something that is not necessarily a title. It doesn't mean that you are a people manager. It doesn't mean you're in charge of something large necessarily. In my opinion, it means that you are leading. You can be leading yourself. You can be a fantastic self-leader and demonstrate those qual- those leadership qualities. And that is a leader. And you can be a leader in any role. So just to set the stage of that. So yeah, a lot of conversations that I have, um, people felt held back. They felt as if, no, I'm not, I'm not a people manager. I'm not allowed to lead. You know, I'm just an IC. Mm. You know, I don't get to lead yet. I'm meant to follow the orders of other people. I need to wait till I've been given a role that has head of or lead that I can actually start leading. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times people don't realize that, you know, that if they didn't like a certain way of working, that they themselves can be influencers of change. You know, you don't have to ask for permission right. to start doing a new thing in a new way because you think that's a better way of doing things. And yeah. I think that's the recurring message that I have with people that if you want to lead, you know, as you, you don't have to ask, number one, you don't have to ask for permission to do something. That's right. One of the practices that I've encouraged a lot of introverts to do is record short videos of themselves because a lot of us don't enjoy being in meetings or to actually have getting feedback, for example, on their designs. So why not instead of actually booking a meeting that's two weeks away when everyone can actually make it to actually give you feedback on a design, why not just record a short video of yourself presenting mm-hmm. your design? sharing it on your instant messenger, whether it's Slack or whatever, and really asking people, this is my design. This is my opportunity to pitch it to you inside with, yeah. and then for you to listen in your own time. And then here are the three specific areas that I want feedback on. Many people mm-hmm. don't work that way. Many people feel like, oh, can I do that? Yeah, you can. And a lot of times when I tell people these things, they feel as if they need to ask for permission. But really, if it's a better way of working and you started trying it mm-hmm. for yourself and it kind of works, yeah. that's that for me is leadership. And the interesting thing here is if other people see this as a better way of working, that your way of doing things is much better, then guess what? Mm-hmm. They start following you. They start exhibiting your <laughs> habits. Another example mm-hmm. might be if you're in a meeting and maybe you don't appreciate if people were to speak on top of you because you want people to have the chance to complete their thought. So maybe the behavior that you start exhibiting is simply not interjecting, letting people finish what they have to say before you say what you want to say. And then you can start exhibiting their behavior. And over time, We can start seeing other people think that it's a good idea, that it's a good behavior to keep on going with. And guess what? In that instance, in my eyes, you are a leader as well. You are introducing a new way of working that wasn't the old way of working. I like how you are, especially with that pre-recording the video, you're utilizing 
someone's tendency to prepare, if that is already something they do, then this is kind of just a little bit of a step beyond that. It can be a little awkward to record yourself on video the first few times, but this actually is something else that I wanted to talk about, which is like parsing out the difference between being uncomfortable versus being inauthentic and the kind of the fine balance that we all have to do to grow, which growth requires discomfort. You can't stay comfortable, stay in the same spot and grow. (laughs) You're not growing if you stay in the same place. And yet, so there's discomfort, but then there's what is authentic. So in the coaching that I do, I use a simple framework called the four P's. It's not my framework. It comes from Dr. Jennifer Kanwela, and she wrote the book called The Introverted Leader. And within that framework, the four P's are prepare, push, presence, and practice. And within that four P framework is push, which is the third P. And push is all about stretching, right? Mm -hmm. Which is growth. Uh, Use the word growth. It's really about stretching. And you think about, you know, before you go for a run, you have to stretch. Before you do certain things that are new to you, you have to practice. You have to stretch. If we never learn to walk, if we never actually stretch ourselves to learn to walk, we'll be crawling all the time. For me, it's really about trying something new. Imitation is one of the best ways to learn. But continuing to fake it and not making it your own, that's pretend. So Mm -hmm. it's really about trying something new, figuring out in trying that new thing. Now, what part really, what feels good to you? And then Mm -hmm. taking the best of what you try to imitate to learn and then making it your own. It's a lot of musicians, they do covers. They take the same song that somebody else wrote, that somebody else sang, and they sang it themselves, and they made it their own, and it sounds like a completely different song. Is that pretend? I don't think so. I think maybe, I think there's a homage to the original artist that did that singing. But at the same time, if you can make it your own, I think that's the most important thing. Um, Yeah, I think that's a really nice analogy. I want to make sure that we get to any other top of mind sort of challenges to overcome. One, one that I'm thinking of is this idea that, that I hear a lot. And I think that I felt this as well at points in my career is that it's, there's a couple different things. So I'll pick one is the discomfort with attention kind of gets mixed up with discomfort with ambition and feeling there's something wrong with ambition. It's something that comes up with people that I work with, that there's the challenge being there's nothing wrong with ambition. What is sometimes wrong with that is when you're not staying true to yourself and you're not honest or you're not, you don't have integrity. You're willing to get ahead no matter what or who you hurt. So those are the differences that I point out to people. What are some other challenges 
that you see people facing and how you overcome that? That they are not good enough. That just because they do not fit this picture of what a leader looks like, that they can't lead themselves in their own way. A lot of the people that I've met, the introverts that I coach, they are some of the most brilliant designers and people that you will ever meet. They show you their work Mm -hmm. and it's amazing, but they don't think they're amazing Mm -hmm. because they don't feel as if they can show their work uh, well enough, that they don't share it enough, that they don't present it well enough, even though when you look at their craft and the stuff that they make, it's absolutely amazing. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of these people end up being some of the most resilient people that I've ever met because they've been knocked down, they've been pushed back, they've been suppressed for so long that eventually when they do Mm -hmm. find their own voices, they end up going farther and higher than anybody else that you've ever seen. When they do find their path, when they do break through, when they do see a way forward uh, and a, a different way of working or a different way of leading, when they do see it, then there's nothing that will stop them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've prepared <laughs> versus someone who maybe right out the gate is going for that visibility the benefit of holding back going for that visibility is that you have time to get really good at what you do or then dealing with the issue of, okay, how do I make my work more visible? That's something actually not just introverts have to, to deal with in UX. We have, we have that question all the time. How do I make my work more impactful? I think we talked about it a little bit at the beginning, one way is in a way that is authentic to someone who is an introvert might be one on one relationships, like building that visibility one on one versus a huge presentation necessarily. What are your thoughts about being more visible or increasing the impact of your work? With designers specifically? Uh- Design, I think it what I was talking about works with researchers as well and writers and anyone in under the UX Mm. umbrella. All right. A lot, the pattern that I see is this, instead of sharing their work often and sharing their work early, because the act of sharing is something that they might be averse to talking about their work, Mm. bringing attention to their work. Instead of doing that and getting feedback early, what a lot of people that I've seen tend to do is they over-prepare. They put in even more mm-hmm. effort. And then the problem with that approach is that the more effort you put in, the more invested you become, the more the feedback will hurt. <laughs> and, yeah, when, and you are less likely to want to iterate the more effort you put into it. And that's the problem because we don't all have the answers to the questions that we're looking for. That's why we work in teams. So part of what people can do really like a practical advice is to really try and distance yourself from the work when you're getting feedback on the work. The feedback is not about saying that you are a bad designer, that you're, you are a bad researcher. That's the right. feedback yeah. is on... It's not personal. The feedback <laughs> is on the work. Sure, you did the work. Yeah. But if you cannot have that separation and when people are critiquing the work, you think that they are critiquing you, 
I think that's where a lot of people stumble. I think that's a really big first step that people can can take. Just separating yourself from the work and hear that when people give you feedback, it's about the work. It's not about you. Yeah. Isn't that funny how I have wondered this actually myself. Does our field just attract people who are very sensitive or are we just really sensitive about our work because it's so visible and we do have to get critique and we do have to ask for input and uh, in a way that many other people don't have to do. Um, I mean, design is a very, I mean, it's very easy for people to have an opinion about design because a lot of design mm -hmm. can be perceived through our senses. Every, a lot of people can have an opinion. Contrast that with writing code. You know, being able to write good code or bad code, you need to actually understand code to have a have an opinion. So there's yeah. a there's an element of a craft to be able to actually understand what is good or bad code to even have an opinion, right? But that's not the same with design. I think the goal really when people give feedback is to understand that the intent of feedback is to make the design better. It's not to say mm -hmm. that you are bad at your job. The intent of the feedback really is, you know, to try and make the design better, make the design better for the people they're designing for. And if you can see, yeah. you can hear that feedback through that lens, I think you can, you'll have a much easier time trying to depersonalize the feedback. Yeah. And I think the same can be said about research and strategy as well. And I, there is one more thing to, to point out with that is making sure that you're asking for feedback in the right way. <laughs> like going back to what's the problem you're trying to solve with your feedback. It's hard to think about this in the moment if you're just feeling criticized. But it's really important to make sure that the feedback you're getting is about a specific problem and not that blue is should be green actually in a design system that might be true but <laughs> then the problem is you need to stick to the design system it always works go back so what's the problem you're trying to solve here with that feedback i am sad that we have to wrap up but before we go i want to make sure that people know how to connect with you and the great resources that you offer in coaching and workshops. So I run a website called The Quiet Achiever. I coach introverts who have impact and influence without pretending to be extroverts. We've run this website for about a year and a half, and very soon we'll be introducing a new four-week course to help introverts do exactly that on topics like meetings, how to network better, how to public speak better, and a lot of the advice is going to be practical stuff that you can put into practice the very next day. And you should check it out. Yeah, that's awesome. I think it's really wonderful you're doing that. And we'll have links for sure in the description and show notes. So anyone listening, if you want to go to uxcake.co and sign up for the newsletter, you will for sure hear about Tim Yo's next workshop. Thank you so much for the opportunity. <laughs> it's been really good chatting with you. Thank you so much for joining me, Tim.
Hey, if you enjoyed this slice of UX cake, please share this episode with a friend or a few. You can share it on social media even. It really helps us spread the word and get this free content to more people. You can follow UX Cake on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram, and get all the episodes and show notes at uxcake.co. Thank you so much for listening and for sharing the UX Cake.